Told you before, I keep my ear to the ground. I know you ain't making this shit up. You don't. Things happen on the street. Proof is hard to come by. Culture, culture not content. Uh-huh. Champagne truth. It's your boy Willie Will. Co-op podcast, y'all fuck with it. Co-op. Yo boy, man, Tokyo. Your boy, the Spirit Naive. Your boy, Chasing Cash. Yo, what up, y'all? This Nappy Roots. Hey, man, y'all gotta pay for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a real motherfucking game. Yo, Inside the co-op. Willie Will, Champagne Chew. Yeah, we back inside the co-op. I'm your boy, Willie Will. And it's your boy, Champagne Chew. And we are at the beautiful Morehouse College. Right, right. With the beautiful owner at 12 Studios, music right. publisher, record industry exec, mm. all our superwoman, Dina Marto. Thank you for following hey. through. So yeah, just I mean just So let I mean who is Miss Dina Marto? Um I am well, I was born in Jordan in the Middle East and I came to Atlanta when I was five, been here ever since. Went to Oglethorpe University. Has anybody ever heard of Oglethorpe? Oglethorpe. Okay. Is that all girls? No, that's Agnes Scott, oh. and they always get it mixed oh. up. But Oglethorpe's a, a small uh, liberal arts college, about a thousand people there. Um, and so I went to Oglethorpe. I majored in communications while I was going to school, like in a class, just like one of you guys. Around, I was 19. I had already started kind of moving and grooving in the music business, networking and figuring things out. I started off wanting to be a singer and a songwriter. Well, I realized really quickly that I wasn't a really a great singer-songwriter. So um, an opportunity opened up on the business side and I started working at DTP uh, when it was Def Jam, Def Jam South. And then I left and worked with um, Grand Hustle. And when T.I. dropped trap music, I left and actually um, started a PR company. And the, the cool story about the PR company is I was sitting in class. I was doing all these things with all these different clients that I had. And I didn't realize that what I was doing was actually a real job. Like you could get paid to do PR work. Like you get paid to book shows. You get paid to put people in magazines. You get paid to set up events. And all the while I was doing all these things and I just really wanted to be in the music business so bad that I didn't realize that I could actually get paid from this stuff. So I started a PR firm. I represented DJ Drama, Rico Way, Sleepy Brown, um, Too Short. Too Short? Yes. Oh, believe that. Yeah. A bunch one of my of di- favorites right yep. there. Um, a legendary Too Short. Um, set up, did a lot of event planning. I did like the Alicia Keys listening party in Atlanta. Just different things like that. Let, and, me, let me intercept yeah. real quick. What made you, you was in college when you started the PR college. firm? 19. So how does a 19-year-old think of starting a PR firm in college? Well, like, and back You don't really hear that a lot. You don't. Um, back then, I, I clearly <laughs> didn't know what I was doing. Um, I started it at like, I was just like, Fuck it, I'm gonna start a PR. Wait, can we curse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know, I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, so I was like, you know, let's start a PR firm because um, I started with my best friend. I don't know, I I just knew that there was a void in the market in Atlanta and Mm -hmm. I wanted to fill that void because I knew that artists would go, any major artist, um, all of these people that I named had deals, but the labels always focus on the big looks for them. So like Source Magazine, Vibe, you know, Billboard, that kind of stuff. But then they neglected the independent stuff. So my whole uh, twist to PR was that I would get all the independent and the smaller type of press that you still need. And real quick, just kind of go mm-hmm. over what a PR is. Oh, a just- publicist. So um, I, the publicist basically represents 
a client in media, they uh, make sure that they get press coverage, they make sure they set up interviews, get them in the right events, um, train them for like media training so they know how to talk in an interview and that kind of stuff. So, mm. um, you speak really, well, by the way. Thank you. Mm. It's a really important job. And it's um, something people don't really think about it. So when I was in class, I had no idea. This is something that's a real career. You could get paid to do this. So I started this um, company. And I, of course, started with my clients being pro bono. And then I started working up to getting paid. And then I met L.A. Reed, had a meeting with him. A year later, he's the chairman at Def Jam, Island Def Jam. He handpicks and hires me to work with him and the late, great Shakir Stewart. I um, worked with LA for six years at Def Jam. I was the A&R coordinator for Jeezy, Rick Ross, Janet Jackson, Nas, L Cool J, and the list goes on during that time. And then um, I left, I mean, I managed the Atlanta office, left about five years ago, started 12 Music, and opened the recording studio, which is in Midtown, 12 Studios. And I, right now, what I do is management, talent management, so writers, producers, artists, I do artist development, so I'll take an artist from you know the ground level and then nurture them, grow them, and get them record deals or publishing deals. And then I um, I do some publishing work and I also consult. I it was kind of it's interesting because I got I left Ti and then he brought me back. 10 years later, so now I'm working with him at Grand Hustle again as a project manager, and I'm also, you know, of course, working with Rick Ross, who made 12 his Maybach Music headquarters in Atlanta. So, so speak yeah. on, um, yeah, just that speak. was like a brief step in my life. <laughs> speak on project management and, and kind of like what, um, the, the you that oversee everything that has to do with that artist project. So, okay. have you guys heard of Ra Ra? He's signed to. Um, Grand, Grand Hustle. Hustle. He's he just put a project out, right? He just put a project yeah. out, so I help with that whole process, picking out the songs, making sure all the paperwork is right, making sure um, the marketing is together. You just make sure all the pieces are in place for that artist to put out the project. So it's basically like, uh, is it like an A&R, just without the title? It's, a, it's uh, an a and It's like overseeing the entire process. So it's, it's more partly, than an A&R. It's partly A&R. Yeah. It's partly just making sure all the right people are in place so not that i do marketing but i have to put the right marketing person in place or i have to put the right publicist in place and mm -hmm. th those kind of things so let's rewind back a little because you said you met la on yes. your journey and you know for a lot of people who don't know la is like one of the biggest in the game one of the most Absolutely. powerful men in the game so how do how does somebody like you meet him along the way how did that even happen like i met him through i was representing clients and he knew a lot of my clients mm -hmm. and i met him at an event and I never tell this story, but I went up to him and I said, I am the female version of you. And yeah, I was very bold. I think I was like 20 and um, and it caught his attention. We he he set up a meeting with me the next day because he was like, I you represent all the people that I work with. You represent Rico Wade. You represent so and so you represent. So, -and -so. so he was like, who is this young girl that's representing all these people? So we sat down and had a meeting. Um, of course, I thought that was my opportunity to get a record deal. I mean, I'm in front of L.A. Reid, right? And I always wanted to be a singer. So I'm like, this is where I'm going to sing. I never tell this story, Alice. is crazy. Um, and so, of course, L.A. is talking to me. And I'm like, well, I'm an artist. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. And he's like, no. He's like, you're too smart to be an artist. And no, no, no that's not a dig at artists. He was just saying, like, you have more of a business mind. You have more to offer. More to offer than just, you know, singing, mm -hmm. right? And um, and I thought at that time, of course, I thought that was like the worst thing ever he could say to me. I was like, what is he talking about? 
Um, and then later I realized that was actually a compliment. What people don't know about L.A. Reid is not only does he find talent like superstars, but he finds executive talent as well. So he's found some of the greatest executives in the game and helped groom some of those executives. So he saw that in me and wanted me on his team. So I literally didn't hear from him a year later had just graduated, didn't apply for a job or anything. He sent Shakira. How agonizing was that year? Wait, not knowing um, it was going to be a year, but just I that just, time you know, waiting. I kept it moving. Like, I just kept doing my thing. I didn't mm-hmm. really think about it. I just, I met him and we had a meeting and nothing ever happened from it. And of course, I was shocked when he sent Shakira down to hire me because I had no idea that he even thought of me after that year. Um, but that's how smart L.A. Reid is. He actually, you know, he, he filed in his brain. He said, you know, I like her. I want to have her on my team, but I need the right position. And when the position came available, he sent somebody to to come find me and 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 um, offer me the job. So I, of course, I took it. So speak to patience in, in, in that sense, and also, like you said, the keeping the moving part. Because somebody else would have just called this man every day, called yeah. his assistant every minute. Yeah. And instead, you just kept working, so that when he could double back for you, you were ready to go. You know what I mean? So speak to that. Speak to that process, because I think a lot of a lot of these, a lot of younger kids want to just skip right to the oh, finish line. Oh, they do. I mean, especially you know I mean? this new generation, like the millennials, and I'm a millennial, but in the sense of like, it does, it's not overnight, and timing is everything. So, had I been pressing him at that time, I could have easily just gotten on his nerves. He would have never considered me for the job later. He didn't have. I would maybe, have changed his mind about. Yeah, how he, felt about he didn't have that. Maybe he didn't have that opportunity at that moment. Mm. So it's waiting until the doors open up. But what I will say about working hard is that the right people are always watching. Mm. So you just keep working, and you don't you don't worry about who's watching you. Who who are the haters watching me? No, you worry mm-hmm. about. Who are the great people that are watching me that are looking and seeing and they're taking note of that and they'll they'll come and find you. So what were some of the artists that you worked with at the time when you was there? Um, when I was Def Jam. at Def Jam. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I was the A&R coordinator for Jeezy when he first got signed. His first couple albums, of course, Rick Ross, his first like three albums. Um, the Janet, the last Janet Jackson album she put out on Def Jam. Was it Buster Baby? No, it was the one that. Remix. No, wait, was that? Plies with the plies. Y'all remember the Buster Baby remix with plies? It was a whole was, thing about that. Wasn't that wasn't on there. That it wasn't. Was no, that no, time. no, no, no. I don't think <laughs> she's, she's like, done. no, we're not <laughs> claiming that. That wasn't yeah. me. No, um, it was the one she did. <laughs> she did a lot with Ronnie Jerkins <clears throat> at that time. And um, then I then I helped with Nas, LL Cool J. Uh, and just other artists that you guys may not have heard of that you know came yeah. out that didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of artists. That's a that's a point too. A lot of artists don't make it out. Yeah, like a lot of you know some of these artists, but you got to work on them all as if they will or as if you never know. You never know. Right. You never know. I mean, like when I first met Rick Ross, I didn't think at that time like he would be the brand and the superstar that he is now. I I knew he was special, but I didn't know like he like he like leaped into a different you know. Like sphere. Yeah. So, do you think? Do you do you um do you think artists, even though they're developed, can even grow? Like like you said with Ross, like he came in dope, he came in ready, but then he ended up taking. He went up a level, even surprised a few people, and like oh snap, now this dude is like. Because I think what happened was when he got the hustling song out, it was like he was rapping, but he kind of dumbed it down a little bit. And then when he got into his groove, he he he's really a lyricist, you know. So. He, um, I think that that was kind of surprising people. It was like un- unraveling your, un- it's you know like what? An onion. And I want to ask that question too. Do you think 
it's why, like you said, he was dumbed down a little bit. And I think a lot of artists do that in the beginning. They yeah. kind of do what they got to do yeah. so that they can do what they want to do exactly. at some point. So speak to that. Speak to that timing as well, too, because I think sometimes you can come in too dope or it goes over people's heads. Like if he would have came out rosé from the jump, yeah. you might not be here now. So It's a building process and it's, it's not an overnight thing. I think what you have to do is focus when you're first starting out, focus on what you're key thing is that you're bringing into the market and then start pulling all those other things so if you play piano and you play guitar and you play the saxophone like pick one to start off so you don't confuse everybody and then add on the other things and and everybody's journey is different so I'm not saying that you you have to do that or or not but I think that it's about thinking about your career in a long-term sense and not an a, not a short term so if you're thinking about it in long term you're you have a strategy you have a plan so you you just take different steps along the way and i think what was dope about ross is that he learned so much as he went he's such a businessman from the beginning he was really super sharp and he was able to take not just the music he took his music platform and he created a whole nother business to it which is this whole brand of wingstop and checkers and bel-air and rich hair care and he's done all these other things that are not you know not just music and, and so like coming in with like ross and jeezy and then them taking off like that what made you decide that okay i'm gonna leave instead of like you know maybe leveling up at def jam and pushing up for like a higher that's a good point. position that's a good point i think as a woman you know you have to work three times harder um, three times longer, mm. you don't get paid as much as a man does in the same positions, and you get overlooked a lot for those type of promotions. Mm. So I think that I'm an entrepreneur at heart, going in the system and learning, not only learning how a major label works, but learning it from one of the greatest mo music moguls to ever do it, L.A. Reid. Mm. Um, I was able to observe and absorb a lot, and, and it made me want to do my own thing because I am an entrepreneur at heart and I do like um, kind of making my own decisions. So I didn't want to like live in that label scenario where you get promoted again and again and again and you become like a vice president or something like that. I think that's cool. But for me, I like to have a little bit of more options where I can kind of determine what I want to do. And just speaking on that, as far as like it being hard for women, how hard was it for you to like be firm but not like be considered maybe a bitch or yeah. be bitchy or whatever. And that's a good point that you bring up. I, I do believe that women can be strong. They can be bosses. They can be executives. Because sometimes that's intimidating. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And I do. I believe you can do all that without having to be a bitch. I believe you don't have to have an attitude. I don't feel like you have to act like a man. You can be a woman and um, embrace your femininity. And I, you know, I'm actually stay tuned for something called the power of the pump which is what i'll be talking about um in in is that whole scenario which is basically using your um, femininity as an advantage and not a disadvantage mm. in the workplace but it's a male-dominated industry they're they're gonna try you they're gonna try you over and over and over again and what you have to do as a woman is stay consistent and stay stay persistent mm have respect for yourself have respect for other people and the people that need to res will they will respect you these earning the respect and the people that will respect you they'll end up you know working with you and it'll be fine so you, you you're managing some producers right now yeah can you can we can we talk about some of those so who's who's one of the bigger i guess the some of the bigger placements or whatever right now because they publish too so yeah. Um, so I so I have two different things going on. I have three artists. One is Brenda Mata. I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She's 
She's 20. She's from Belgium. She's you've heard of her before? She signed no, okay. Yeah, she we had Bang the on the show recently. Okay, oh, you just had Bang. So yeah, we just had I partnered last with week. Bang. Yep. Yeah. I partnered mm-hmm. with Bang on Brenda. Uh, we signed her when she was 15. She didn't even speak English. Wow. Um, so we de- we've been developing her. Just put out her single called House Party on Def Jam. Super excited about her. So stay tuned for Brenda Mata. And then I have a rapper and um, film student from East Palo Alto, California. His name is Hefner Guap. And he signed to Empire. You've heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's dope. He signed to um, Empire. And then I have Ink of Vintage Nation. Have you guys ever heard of Ink? She's amazing singer, songwriter, musician. We actually just met at the musician. studio a couple yep. weeks ago. She's, yeah. a, she's she amazing. She's coming up there to work with Meek. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. She did a hit for Meek. And um, I partnered with Polo on her, and we still haven't figured out where we're going to put her yet. Oh, she's not signed yet? Not yet. That's crazy. Well, so. we've had offers, but. Yeah, yeah, just waiting on you, you know. So, she's a star. Yeah, she is. No, I like Ink. So talk about Do you 12 manage, My bad, my bad. I, Do you manage nonstop? Uh, I work with Nonstop and oh, okay. also Cheese Beats. Cheese, okay. And um, and we've gotten like you know, of course, the same hose was the Nonstop placement through through me with for Gotti, with, yeah. with Ross. Uh, oh, same yeah. hose, my bad. My same bad. hose, and then oh, okay. he had everybody with Gotti yeah, before yeah, that. Yeah. Yep, and then um, Cheese, you know, Cheese did Handsome and Wealthy for Migos. He did um, In the City for uh, Dro, and yeah, he's super mm-hmm. lit. I seen actually, I just seen somewhere it said. Um, in the city that was in the Kevin Hart movie yep and that was because you placed that well I didn't place that but the publishing I mean we had to sign it's a license so of course it's good for us right right right. absolutely (laughs) yeah so you're a publisher as well so let's talk about publishing a little bit because I think um, the listeners really want to just kind of know some of the nitty gritty things and publishing is one of those elusive people kind of know but don't really know so just a quick breakdown of publishing and the way it works and the way publishing deals and things like you know like that work. So basically publishing is the non-glamorous part of the music business, but it's the part where all the money is at, right? It's yeah, the right. royalties <laughs> for your when you're a writer or a producer or an artist, it the publishing companies are who collect your royalties from um just performances, streaming, all sorts of different things that you would get your royalties from and so it's, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of administrative things. That's why a lot of people don't go to it. But it's the same concept as, as publishing companies are kind of the same concept as rec, uh, record labels. They want to sign hot writers and producers. They get them publishing deals. You go through your deal. You know, they help you set up sessions. They help you place records. And um, it, it's, it's an important, to, you need to learn what publishing is and how it operates to really be in this business properly as a writer, producer, or an artist. How does the artist get a pub deal? Well, you would need to most, nowadays, unless you're just so fire and they just love everything you do as a demo, you would need to have some placements and then they would find you and and give you a deal or you would go shop around for a deal. Um, Mm -hmm. But my suggestion to anybody wanting a publishing deal is to wait until you've got some placements under your belt so you can have some leverage when you're sitting at the table with the publishers so they don't give you a crappy deal. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you something actually about earlier. When you left Def Jam, Mm -hmm. what was the first thing you did as far as business-wise? Business-wise, so when I left Def Jam, I started 12 Music, which is the technically is the record label, but I like to call it an artist development company. Mm. And I started building 12 studios. And um, and it was 
it was definitely a leap of faith for me to leave Def Jam. Like, mm. you, you got a 401k, you've got your direct deposit in your account every two weeks. How is that? Oh, Lord. I right, leaving that safety. I'm never heard yeah. Right. Sheesh. And then going into, you know, working for yourself, which is basically you, you eat what you kill. And you don't have that safety net. And But I had a great opportunity to start a business, and I, I just did it. So that's what you're telling yourself. You eat what you kill. Like this it's is inside the mind of Dina Marto. Yeah. It's, so you're it's saying things to yourself like, yo, let's get it. It's rather you can't you fail. Than me. I mean, there's no failure allowed because yeah. you have to survive, right? You have to pay your bills. So Absolutely, yeah. Everything is on your shoulders. Yeah, no, nah, I like that. I like the. You so what made you uh, open the studio, though? Like, I think you might be the first. Well, does, does what's the name on Tree Sound? Molly? No, no, no. Yeah, so you, I think you're like the first woman that I've actually met that. Yes. Now, I would say Jan Smith owns the studio, but she's a vocal coach and she has her own spot. But, of course, Jan Smith is the whole other. Was there a sound lab? Jan. Um, she's the one that like did Justin yeah. Bieber. And yeah, she does that a vocal too. coaching studio. Yeah. I was trying to think of the studio. Um, but I th- she's private, though. Yeah. So I opened a studio not to be in the studio business. I would not ever recommend anybody opening a studio to make money in the studio business. Clearly with <laughs> technology and the digital age, you don't need studios anymore. You yeah. literally can be at home with a microphone and a speaker and and you can create records. So you don't need a full-on studio anymore. And, and that's a technology. lot coming from a studio owner to tell right. people to keep it real, like, that you, know you do I mean? not need right. to come yeah. to my studio. You don't. Um, but what I, I, oh, I, I started, I wanted to build 12 because I wanted to build a home for my talent. So it's a place to nurture your talent. And that's what my thought process is. It's not going in and being like, I'm going to be like Patchworks or I'm going to be like Tree Sound. It was never that thought. It was, let me, where do I have a place to house this talent and really develop them on an everyday basis? Did you see, did you see like art, uh, artist development being a lost call? Yes. And just say, oh, okay. Uh, Lost Cause now for like the major labels don't do it anymore. So I I, I see that as like, this is where you come in as an independent. You take an artist, which labels are not doing anymore. Labels are looking on the, on the charts and saying whose song is getting spent. They need you to be developed already. They, you pretty much need to have your package together. Most of the time nowadays when you get a record deal, um, but, so they're really not developing and they're not even putting in the dollars to develop artists anymore like that, right? Because um, they're having to cut back on the deals that they used to do and what they pay producers and all that kind of stuff. So there's, what, a void in the market. Again, And the se- se- second time I'm saying that, you see a void in the market and you say, how can I fill this void? So you you take talent, you develop them, and then you go get them record deals. Yeah. I want to I talk about that void because I think the everybody wants to rap. You know what I mean? And there's so many doors and so many ways to wiggle in. Yeah. And make more money. Yeah. And maybe faster. So, so speak to that. Like, finding your calling as well. Like, and really knowing when your calling is that. Like, yo. You need real friends that are going to tell you your, like, songs are good, but they're not great. Like, I feel like oftentimes people are like, my friend's music is so good. But I think they're just so blindsided by the fact that it's their friend. And they really, it's not that great. And you're not being a good friend by telling them it's great, right? They're, superstars are superstars. They have this it factor. They have the whole package. It's not just about being a lyricist. It's not about making good songs. It's, it's everything having to do with being a superstar. So those are not like easily found. And so with, if things are not, it's, you know, a lot of people want to be in front of the 
camera, but there's so many positions and so many careers that you can have behind the camera and behind the scenes that matter and make a whole lot of money. Let me just tell you about a, a manager position. That person typically makes 20% of all income. And that's not one thing. That's They make it on the royalties of their artists. They make it on the merchandising, the touring, and the list goes on. So it's like, to me, the, a manager position is one of the most powerful positions to have in the music business, right? Because even as the labels downside more, downsize more and more and more, the person that's with the artist all the time is the manager. And so to me, it's like you have to look behind the camera because to get that artist on the, on the stage and on that screen, it takes a whole team of people. And that whole team of people are, 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 are you know, uh, composed of pu a publicist, a marketing person, digital marketing, um, so many different things, a manager, um, just everything that you can, that you need for a team to be a great um, artist. Yeah, really, absolutely. To come out. And, and speaking of it, like you working with Ross, which is being a great artist, how, um, just speak to the importance of just relationships in this business. Relationships are everything. You're not going to get anywhere in this business without them. I, I never advertised 12 when it opened. I never did an ad. I never put it in the phone book. Nobody, you know, it wasn't something that um, I advertised or spent any money in promotions. I literally built that studio from the relationships I had developed for 10 years plus in the music business. And every single person that's been in there from Polo the Don to Rock City to Atlantic Records to now Epic Records to Empire Distribution to Rick Ross to MMG and, all, every, and everybody else that's been in there has literally just been from my relationships. Yeah, anybody got any questions? Real quick. Well, I mean, business mostly. Like, if you're managing an artist or managing a producer, you're managing any kind of talent. But it's also babysitting at the same time. But. It's definitely a babysitting job. But then when you get good, you just send out a row manager, and yeah. then you kind of sit back and be the the business manager. So, so basically, you're saying you when you when you're managing an artist, you're kind of all the above as far as business as well as yeah. personal. Yeah. Especially when you're first getting started with them. The factors meaning like what do you need to do in What's well, the checklist, yeah. What's okay, the so well first I would not start with an artist that I didn't believe in. I would not start with the artist that's not talented. Um, they would have to have amazing talent and they would have to be unique in the marketplace and you know, something that I feel really is special. And then I would take them and I would look at what they, every, every situation is different and I would look at them and I say, okay, what do they need improvement on? What are they already good at? What can we enhance? What can we change? Do they need vocal lessons? Do they need choreography? Are they good on stage? And you just look at all those different factors and you, you basically put everything in place to grow all of that. Till they get to the point where you know, okay, they're ready to be showcased or they're ready to put out an album or they're ready to put out a single or whatever you're going to do. Let's go to our live real quick. Got a question from IG Live. When our live gets in, I was offered management from someone who works with Travis Scott, but they want to charge $1,000 for a six-month contract. Is that normal? 
No, that's not normal. What is Managers that? do not charge to manage. They make a commission on what you what income comes in for you. Now they may they may spend money on you, which will, is re, which can be reimbursed and should be reimbursed, quite frankly. But you're not supposed to get charged for that. And hi, IG Live. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people ask some crazy So, questions. no, I would not sign that deal. I do fuck with Travis Scott, though. Yeah, Travis Scott. That wasn't Travis people either. <laughs> Probably not. Be careful. How do you how do you keep from giving up? What what inspires you to keep Oof, going? That's a lot. Um, yes, I have many days where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life and why am I here? Um, and I'm tired and I work so hard and I have twelve hour days. Um, Just twelve? Well, that's twelve music group. Twelve music. Twelve music <laughs> put it into twelve hours. Um, you know, you need some encouragement. Every day you don't wake up as a superhero. You you wake up as a human being and you and sometimes you need to hear that you're on the right track or that things are, you know, let's do it this way or or change this and and you just have to take it a day at a time and just know that failures are not failures, they're just learning lessons and the only way they can be a failure is if you haven't learned from what that lesson was. Yeah. You got a question? Uh, as far as the superstars, say you find somebody who has superstar talent. Right. Musically, musically just off of a listen. What things are you looking at after that to determine how big that person can possibly be or how much of the market you can make? So looking at them and trying to determine what how big they would be? After, after you listen, it's like, okay, this is a super talent. This is a super talent. Like, what is it outside of the artist development? There's a thing called the it factor, and it's something that you can't describe. It's something that is hard to, to like really describe and put in words, but it's you know it when you feel it. Like you just get a feeling. People that can find talent have this like gift, and I know L.A. Reid does, and people like that. It's like you just know it is something in your spirit, and you just can tell like this person is special, and it's it's something that you can't put your finger on. That's why they call it the X factor, right? So it's not just about the music and it's not just about the work ethic and it's not just about, it's about how does that person make you feel when they walk in the room. And it's also something that you can't ordain yourself. You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. else has to see that in you. And, that, and that's something too, because people be going, I'm, I'm a star, bro. It's like, I'm supposed to be the one to tell you that. Yeah. Not not the other way around. You know yeah. what I mean? But that's just, it was just my little two cents. That's a good question. Um, a lot of the budget is determined on how much money you have at the time and resources, but you have to do. You have to really make a plan because it costs money to develop artists, and you have to really spend your money wisely. I think a lot of people just they jump into hiring a publicist and they never have anything to publicize. You don't need a publicist if you have nothing to publicize, right? As the first thing artists go for, they're like, I need a publicist. I need to get in these magazines. And I'm like, but you haven't put out a record. Nobody knows your name. Nobody cares. You need to have a story to tell. Until you have that story to tell, you don't need a publicist. So it's just knowing the right steps to take and how to take them. And the publicist, even even though you have nothing to publicize, they will take your check. Absolutely. Run right I mean, if they're, you know, <laughs> so, if they're uh, that type of, but you have to stretch every dollar you have. You have to think about bartering. You have to think about what's b a better use of this dollar over here or over here. And you have to really just have a plan and have a real financial plan with that. 
in the back. What makes you special? Like, what separates you from the rest? What makes Dina the shit? There's so many things. I don't know where to start. No. I would say that I am honest with people, and people know that. And they can feel that. And I think just my energy in general, like I think I'm very positive and that sets me apart from, from people most of the time that I just have a genuine energy about myself. Yeah, the energy's on 10 right now. I Thank like, I like you. Them. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I'm sitting closer to it so I can feel the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good vibes. Hey, um, oh, no questions? Nah, she just got a camera on. Oh, so. okay. You got me? You didn't? <laughs> nah, but just speaking back to what you were saying, how you, uh, your homegirl, I forgot her name a bit, but you said to stay, stay motivated. See, but, the, who's uh, the one who, who's the girl you said was like the life coach who kind of put you back Ke- on track? Keon, my business advisor. She's the one with the phone? She's the one with the phone, Oh, yeah. okay. But I wanted to uh, ask, is that one of the reasons, like, why you started the Marto Minute? Like, to inspire others that might be going through the same things at times? Yeah, you know, I get a lot of people that... And just kind of explain what Marto Minute well, is. Well, Marto Minute is kind of like giving you game in a New York Minute, like a very quick... Like we don't, we don't have a lot of time in our day, but you need some information, you need some encouragement, some inspiration, some advice, and I just throw it in there for you in less than one minute. And I I did I started doing that because a lot of people will DM me or reach out to me, and especially a lot of women, and ask like, how did I get here? What did I do? Ask a lot of questions. They want to know things, and so I just take the general questions that usually people have, and I just give little pieces of advice every Monday. So let's go so through to them real quick, in. a couple of okay. them. The one you, you put um, about the importance of Monday. Yeah. And getting up and early, starting your week. goals. And yeah. It's got to speak to, you know, how important starting the week off. It's just setting the tone for your week. So when you have a list of things to do and it's Monday, start with the hardest thing on your list first. So you can knock that off your list. And then by the time you get to the end of the week, it gets less and less and, you know, heavy. So you can get to your weekend, right? It's about tackling and not procrastinating, tackling what's the most important and starting your Monday off like super early, super on top of it, understanding what you want to accomplish that week getting your goals written down and then going for it and then health is wealth health is wealth I mean that's a super important one I think a lot of people neglect their health and I when I mean health I mean physical emotional mental health everything goes together and so you have to learn to like balance your work life because a lot of times especially in the music business it's a lifestyle job and so there's no like nine to five there's no on and off and um, you just have to really make sure you know what you're putting in your body as far as food is concerned. And I love to cook, so I used to cook a lot, but I stopped having time to cook, and then you just eat out all the time, and that's yeah. not good for you, right? That's so what I started happened to me, doing, you did. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I started doing like the meal preps where people I have, you know, I yeah. get the meals delivered, and that really helped me because then you don't have to think about what you're gonna eat, you don't have to clean it up, you don't have to cook it, you just eat it, you know? And that gives you more time in your day, and it helps you stay healthy so you're not just eating something really fast because you're so hungry and you didn't think about eating and you didn't prepare um, your food and I think that that's an important thing to do especially if you're super busy but if you can meal prep and you could cook your own food I would highly encourage that just set it out for the week so you have enough meals and then you know go out to eat too but just know that during the week you have this healthy stuff that you're the energy that you're putting in your body yeah because I see you working out 
boxing with Ross? Yeah. You one of the reasons Ross done you dig? The well, Ross I start, Are you yeah. part of that campaign? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, well, because I was working with my trainer, Almighty Athletics, and mm. he's um, he does boxing. And so Ross um, hit me one day. He was like, let's work out. And I was like, let's do boxing. And then he loved it. So we we do it all the time now. And and I mean, like, in the beginning, like, once Ross went through the transformation, was you, like, one of the motivations for him? Oh, like, I mean, I, I was there along the process, mm-hmm. but he was doing CrossFit. He, did, he liked CrossFit a lot, yeah. so we would do a lot of CrossFit fit and stuff like that but he um he's on a whole health kick like he he orders meal preps all the time he you know we work out all the time i wanted to bring up i just i was just thinking about this because um i think this is important too like how do you feel about especially when you have an artist relationship artists having and having relationships and trying to have a career at the same time so speak to that because i'm I, I know a lot of people are single in this business and it's for a reason yeah you know what i mean so speak to that and speak to do you do you promote would you promote your artist to have be in a relationship or do you want your artist single out here so you can like I think at the beginning of somebody's career, there's so much sacrifice and hard work that has to go into it that if you did have a relationship, you wouldn't be able to dedicate that much time to it because you really need to be putting your 100% energy into accomplishing your goals. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a time and place for it. Like I think once an artist is established more, then yeah, sure, why not have a relationship? But your, your work, I mean... I feel like you you have to have a balance, but I feel like if you really want to be great, the greats, like Beyonce, you never heard of her having a relationship till she got married. Like she literally got married. Like, and um, she's the one of the hardest working people in the industry. So, it's like you you're up against the greats. So it's just about what you decide to do with all the time in your day. Okay. Speak up. Well, thanks. I didn't like set out to be like a boss boss woman or anything like that. I wanted to build a brand that people recognized and knew had good talent associated with it. And it was really about focusing on the talent at first and then building like a team behind, you know, around that talent. And but my but my goal has always been to be a leader and to create other leaders and to help other people grow. So it's not just the artists, but other executives, other people that want to have careers in this business. I want to help with all of those things um, because I came from a place where I, 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 I know what it's like to be an assistant to somebody. I know what it's like to work all these long hours and have people not really helping you or telling you what to do, you know, teaching you anything. They just tell you like, this is do this. And they don't really show you why are you doing this. And I wanted to be different in that in that way where I I think a I think a real leader is somebody that creates people that are better than them, helps mm. create. How often does that happen though? I just I just you know. I mean, that, I've you know. seen like I mean if you look at. You said not it in often, a perfect world. But yeah, not exactly. often, but because a lot of people want to keep everything for themselves. And, so many me monsters in this business. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and they don't want to share. But it's enough money for everybody. Yeah, I believe it. Really it. Is. I believe that for sure. What do you uh, credit your success to? What do I credit my success to? That's a good question. I would say my work ethic. I would say my work ethic. Mm-hmm. 
and and just having a strong foundation in like who I am as a person. Dope. Yeah. So, so if you had to sum up your 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 legacy thus far in three words, what would it be? So my legacy thus far in three words. Hmm. I would say authentic. Hmm. Um, hardworking, and what is my legacy? I would say a tr- the tr- a true leader and a true sense of a leader. So leader, leadership. Leadership, yeah. So authenticity, mm-hmm. hard work. So we back on this hard working word again. It's, right. it's hard working. Two words or one word. It's a cop. Cop word. Yeah, they got is me last time. Word? Yeah, last time we went through. It. So authenticity, right. hard working, and leadership. Yeah, I, I was trying to get them to chime in. Or you could say work ethic, or you could just yeah. say just. Um, I'm just no. I'm, I'm yeah. talking shit. Trust okay. Me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so. All right, Chu, you ain't digging. Were you digging anything before we I'm get digging, in here? I'm digging them shoes. I've been wanting to know. You know what I mean? You, you. you swagging. What? What are they? The you know what I, mean? I got these from Zara. Yeah, the uh-huh. socks. I just put these together. You Shout out it. to my stylist Kelly B Style. She helps Shout me out get Kelly my B. life together because I can't literally. Can't <laughs> Can I ask somewhere. you a little question? Sure. Who is, who is this right here? <laughs> this is Adrian. She's actually new on the team. You did. Yeah. Yes. I can't. They want to ask that out. You know. Hey. What's happening? Hilarious. <laughs> hey, well, well now we appreciate you coming through, though. Yeah, you know of course. I mean? That was all the questions. No IG live people. It, no, IG, no Facebook live IG be people. asking crazy stuff. Now, you, I'm telling you, IG be asking crazy, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. They talking food, thought, nutrition. It's just been off the wall. Yeah, oh, they, okay. they comment, but, like, they ask some crazy Nobody stuff. Nobody else has any last? One thing I'll... Top three who? Struggles? Yeah. That's a tough question. Wow. Um, financing like finances that's why I have Keon because I don't understand like I know how to make money I know how to spend money really well but managing money is a whole different department that people you know are trained are trained to do that are good at doing and I'm not one of those people so I had, hey, to, learn, on that, I, yeah. I had to learn that um, being a woman in a male dominated industry is a struggle in itself um and then my third struggle would be uh, over not balancing enough, not like giving myself enough time and overworking myself. I like that. Ooh, what are you most proud of? Yeah, oh, I would say mm. probably like what I was really super excited about was when I received a proclamation from the city of Atlanta. It was the first oh, yeah. studio to ever receive one in Atlanta. And I think that really just set the bar. And what is that? Yeah. Is, exactly. It's like an honor with recognizing you for your work in the city. Dope. And so Kwanzaa okay. Hall um, gave me that proclamation. Hopefully he'll be the next mayor of yeah, Atlanta. Out, and then, then you're going to have 10 studios. Well, no, nah, I don't want. Work. See, I don't want ten studios. I just want one really hit-making studio. Okay, word up. What was you gonna say, Thrash? I was gonna say just you know taking it back to your overboard days. Yeah. Right. Who get ready to graduate? Hey. hey, y'all gotta give it up for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Believe that. What, you know, what words of advice do you have to them? They've obviously picked up a lot of what you It gets real. Yeah. Believe that. It gets real. I think what you have to know is that 
you, the real world, world doesn't start when you graduate. The real world starts right now. And so I would do everything that I can to whatever you want to go into, whatever that field is, finding those people, getting mentors, doing internships right now, developing those relationships right now, because what's going to set you apart from having, a, you know, if you have two resumes and they have almost the same skill set, but the person has a relationship with that person, they're going to always get the job over you. So the relationships are the key part. And I would say start now. Don't wait till you graduate and think the world is just beginning. The world is mm. happening right now while you're in school. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I overthink because I'm a Virgo, so we automatically overthink. And what I would say to overthinking is go with your gut, whatever that was, whatever the first thing is, you know, you overthink yourself out of it. But whatever that intuition is, follow that. It will always lead you in the right direction. And then that's over. Yeah, someone actually asked. Are you looking for any new talent and what avenues could they take to get your attention? Sure. I'm always looking for new talent and they can send music to 12musicgroup at gmail.com. That's T W E L V E music group at gmail. And if they want to intern at 12, they should send their resumes over to that same email address. And what about Artist First? Artist First is um, the platform that Ross and I have and Mm -hmm. we are. going to be signing talent to that platform mm. oh so, so that, that's like all you can say about it pretty much pretty much yeah <laughs> the i was trying to get exclusive somebody yeah, I already know, said I you dig i know <laughs> like, you yeah are. we uh, are yeah. it's yeah. happening though uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, who's listening to the music submissions when, when they email them she's listening no, I know you can, no. Oh, okay. um, we, my A&R Josiah Muhammad he's going to be listening and then of course anything that he likes he will get me to listen to and, yeah. and I will listen to I can't listen to every single thing that, that gets in the I seen something else too about um, Ignite Talent Search so you've been a judge yeah so I'm being a judge on Ignite Urban it is going to be a nationwide talent search and i um, super excited to be a part of that mm. yeah mm-hmm. You guys did your research. I'm not mad. Give it up. Oh, this is a real, this is a real show. Yeah, hello. I mean, usually I, I have people like, "Where are you from? What do you do again?" No, no, and we, I'm like, we know all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys doing your research. And hey, just speaking of that, real quick mm-hmm. about being where you're from and Jordan and moving over, how hard was it? You know, for the support of your parents oh, doing yeah, my, this because oh, my parents like, never supported. I'm pretty sure they wanted you to be like no, a doctor, a lawyer, said, yeah, or something. Yeah, well, doctor, like, lawyer, or work at a bank was one of the other thing they wanted <laughs> me to do. Um, <laughs> They didn't really understand my career or appreciate it until I got my first check from Universal Music Public um, Music uh, Group. Mm-hmm. And once I got that check, they were like, oh, this is a real job. But before <laughs> that, no, of course. I mean, they're Middle Eastern. They, they definitely didn't understand music business. Nobody in my family was ever in the music business. I started from square zero. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any relationships or anything. I built it all from square one. Have they met Ross with Jeezy? Um, my mom, I think, did meet Ross. Not Jeezy at all. What was it like? Um, Did did she meet him? I think she may have at some point. My mom Mm. is just, she's just going to be smiling and being awkward. (laughs) (laughs) She's a nut. All right. But no, um, a lot of people are not going to support you at first, and especially your parents. They want you to be, they want you to have, they want you to be safe, and they want you to have something steady going on. And, And they're not, you know, they're not wrong. It's just that, 
when you want to be um, an entrepreneur, you take risks. Hello. Yeah. Entrepreneur, that needs to be like sub, like t- subcategory, risk. About Cliff diving. Bounce your life up, right? And then what Jesus say? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dino Martel inside the co-op. We'll start you coming through. You get out of here, you did? Yeah. No more? All right, y'all, thank you. Thank, thank you, Dino. You. It's been a good one. So let me, my bad, before we get up out of here, <laughs> do you ever, like, fl- flirt back with singing or anything? Or, you know, is it... No, I have this... They recorded or I literally anything? have not been on any single microphone in the studio, and I want to do How it. How tempting like, is that? It's not... I know, like, I don't even think about it, but I do want to... I actually thought about the other day, because I want to go on... I just want to just do something. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason at all. Shoot, for really? my own pleasure. So you got her back in the studio? Yeah, we, you know... <laughs> Longer... <laughs> I was. I was a good writer. I mean, I actually was a good writer. And um, and I thought I was going to keep going with that, but it was hard being in the creative. Yeah, what was Thrash oh, talking about? You on, a, you on a song? I did a skit for the um, Rather You Than Me. Rather You album. Than Me. It's right before um, I Think She Liked Me. But it's, oh, dope. Yeah, yeah, so if you listen to it, it um, there's a whole skit on there that I did. So you was back on the mic. Believe that. <laughs> all right, well, appreciate you coming through, Dina. Thank Straight you. up. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this was good. So I hope I hope we all learned something. I hope you you know hope you have fun. Yeah, I did. Y'all were good. I'm Willie Will. It wasn't a boring interview. No. Nah. Okay. Thank you. Nah. Straight up. I'm Willie Will. And Champagne Chew. It's been a co-op. We appreciate y'all, Morehouse. And we out this thing. You did. Co-op. Bitch. The views and opinions expressed on the co-op podcast are entirely those of the guests and callers. They do not in any way reflect the opinions of the co-op podcast or its staff.